chic shit only hi everybody it's me lauren zima oh my gosh it's been a while since i got to say that you guys and i missed it i missed it a lot welcome to chic shit only if you are here because you watched me on roses and rose my bachelor review show thank you for being here today in the words of the iconic julie andrews in the original princess diaries if you are here because you're just finding out about me you know also Thank you for being here today. Um, what is this podcast? What is chic shit only? This is a podcast of reviews um, on Roses and Rosé. I reviewed the Bachelor franchise shows, and I was always wanting to expand that. And uh, I use the phrase chic shit only a lot. Like I'm trying to live with chic shit only in my life. So it felt like the perfect fit. And I missed you guys. I haven't done Roses and Rosé in a minute. Because of some things that happened. Incredibly traumatizing and stressful things that we will perhaps discuss right now here today a little bit and also in the future. But, you know, we're going to play it by ear. <laughs> um, and so I loved reviewing The Bachelor shows, but I also would incorporate lots of other things that I loved. <laughs> Harry Potter. Voldemort. <laughs> Uh, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Candles, the Bravoverse, uh, Bridgerton, Sex Life on Netflix, all kinds of things. So I uh, am going to be reviewing things that I like, things that I consider to be chic shit only. And we're going to review uh, the latest TV shows, the latest movies, pop culture news, um, new self-help treatments, new beauty products. We're going to talk about it all. I also want to hear from you guys. I will be taking your questions and to be honest, kind of reviewing your life situations and giving you my thoughts and advice because I did that on Roses and you used to like it. I'm here for you. You know, I'm your friend and I miss you. I can miss you babes. So I'm happy to be here with you again. Um, so send me any questions that you have. I will be happy to answer and give you my thoughts on situations you're in, career, friendship, relationship. Let me know in the comments below. And by that, I mean, we do have an email address that you can send things to. Also DM me anytime or comment on my, we're getting off track. I digress. Um, and, you know, let's talk a little bit more about what the phrase chic shit only means. It's aspirational. Chic shit only. We aspire to it. We want only the chicest shit in our lives. But the phrase can have many meanings, you know, because um, sometimes things are just shit. And sometimes it's chic shit. And sometimes it's the shit. And sometimes it's chic. So we'll, we'll expand on it. We'll get into it. Um, this first, first podcast is going to be a bit evergreen, as we say in the news biz, because by the way, if you don't know me, I'm also uh, you know, a correspondent and Emmy winning one <laughs> toot toot. Was that me tooting? No, I don't not, not not farting tooting, but toot toot. That is that how you toot a horn toot toot? I'm not great with boats. I love to be on them. I don't know how to drive them or how they work or anything. A toot is a boat thing, right? Or is that do is it a truck reference? Let me toot toot on the horn. I don't know. Let's look up that phrase. Toot your own horn. Which horn are you tooting? You know, what vehicle are you in? The vehicle of yourself. Okay. <laughs> Let me have a little drink. I have a tequila. By the way, I'm in my bedroom, uh, our bedroom, the bedroom I share with one Chris Harrison, uh, my love, um, because I wanted to be comfortable and I wanted to be cozy with you guys on this first one. I will probably record this from a studio setting in future or if I'm traveling for my job at Entertainment Tonight or elsewhere from wherever I may be. But right now I'm in my bedroom and I'm having a tequila because I'll be honest, I was a little nervous doing this first one. It's 3.15. Oh my gosh, you probably just heard me slurping into the mic. I got to work on that because I remember from Roses and Rosé, I used to drink wine and people would not like to hear the wine swallowing sounds. That's actually a condition. It is a, a, I don't know if it's mental or physical condition where you don't like to hear the sound of someone chewing or eating. Anyway, you'll notice on, if you're watching this on video, because by the way, you can get chic shit only wherever you listen to your podcast and also full video of it will be up on my socials. Um, but if you're seeing this on video, I have very large salt on the rim of this homemade tequila drink that I make. Why? I have a salt problem. Um, and just like anything on the internet today, you know, you can justify it for yourself. You can research anything you want and help prove your own point. I eat so much salt and I was kind of looking into it and I'm like, well, 
salt hydrates you. Chris Harrison was like, that's not true. <laughs> but I, I do think we need salt to be hydrated. I think I'm using that uh, fact in a twisted way to my own advantage. But anyway, there's big, big salt on the rim, big chunks of salt, because what I did was I bought what I believe to be a, a Himalayan pink salt refill, like for your salt shaker. It's a big tub. And I said, this is a margarita salt rimming thing. If I've ever seen one, definitely not. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I welcome cocktail hacks of any kind if you have them. Um, so chic shit only is aspirational. And this episode is evergreenal, which again, in the news biz means it can stand the test of time. It's not the news of the day. I will talk pop culture news in the future, but to be honest with you, as I'm recording this, I don't necessarily know when we're going to be able to hit pub on this. You know, sometimes things happen, things come up and we have to adjust. So I don't know the exact date. I didn't want to talk about something that might be old, like Kylie Jenner's pregnancy announcement, which I think is incredibly chic. I think she's changed the face of the way that people do pregnancy announcements. What she does is she keeps it a secret and then she gifts it to us with this beautiful emotional video showing her behind the scenes at home footage that we haven't seen set to a gorgeous orchestral piano symphony that I'm like, did someone, is this an original composition for Kylie Jenner's pregnancy announcement? I'm sure it is. I would guess she is an original piano concerto for the announcement of her baby. That's fucking chic. Okay. That's fucking chic. And she could have, I'm sure made an incredible amount of money by partnering with some kind of at-home pregnancy test company and getting the money from, you know, posting the ad and Hey, get yours, do what you got to do. But she didn't do that. Instead, she gave us a symphony, literally and emotionally. I digress. The point was to be evergreen, chic, evergreen, ever chic. Maybe that'll be a segment. <laughs> uh, so I will be reviewing things. I will be dubbing them chic or shit. You know, we will do chic of the week. What is our chicest thing that week? We will do shit of the week. What was garbage? We will. Uh, talk about it all. So I can't wait to hear from you guys. I can't wait to connect with you in this new way because I have missed and uh, I'm going to dive into some evergreen chicness. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to interview people. <laughs> wow. Mm, let me forget a key portion of, of the whole show. Um, so, you know, as I was thinking about kind of returning to you all and what I wanted to do, I'm like, what makes me happy? I got to follow, you know, what what makes me happy and what I'm good at. And I've been felt blessed in my life that often those two things have aligned. It sounds like I'm, I don't know if you can hear that. I'm leaning against the bed and it's making a sound. I am not flatulating. Okay. Um, so I've, I was thinking about that and I decided what I really love, or rather I realized it when I put it in simple terms is, I love to make you guys laugh <laughs> and I love to feel connected to you. Um, and I, I was like, I want to, I want to laugh, <laughs> lift, love, not live, laugh, love, laugh, lift, love. And I, I thought about that as a name of the podcast, but I decided against it. You know, I didn't, I, for a minute, I was like, it could be like written on things and the cheesy ways that live, laugh, love are, but I decided against it. So that means I want to make you laugh. I want to lift you up and I want to give you love. And the lifting up part of it is that I hope to speak to people who inspire you and who are doing chic shit themselves. That's the whole point is to speak to people doing chic shit in these interviews so that you can have a light bulb moment from something they might say. We can be inspired. I selfishly hope to grow from this podcast and talk to some amazing people and, and glean from them. So we're going to laugh. Lift love, make you laugh, lift you up, let you know that I love you because I do. Um, I still feel good about calling it chic shit only. If you don't let me know again in the comments below, I'm going to, you know what? I can still say it because it's a video on, on Instagram. Let me know in the comments below. I used to say that on Roses and Rosé. Also, will Roses and Rosé be back? TBD. I got to be honest with you. TBD. And again, more to come on that. Okay. So some evergreen chic shit. You know what I wanted to talk to you guys about? Has anyone flown lately? 
have you gotten vaxxed up and waxed up and, and have you been traveling lately? If you are, what a time. It is to fly right now is shit. Okay. It's it's not chic. It is the wild, wild skin west out there, whether you're west or east, north or south, wherever you are, it's wild. Flights are getting canceled left and right. They're delayed for reasons unknown and never explained. It is wild. And I certainly don't claim to know all the specifics. I think it's a an amalgamation of things, you know. Um, I think there's our staffing issues. And I think then when something like weather happens and a flight's delayed for a minute, then they don't have the crew, the crew times out before you know it. You've completely boarded a plane. You're sitting on it thinking you're taking off. And then a lovely flight attendant named Mark comes on and tells you that, no, 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 this flight's canceled. Everybody off. That has happened to me multiple times in recent weeks. <laughs> multiple times. I boarded a flight. And they're like, no, it's canceled. Multiple. And you think to yourself, gosh, couldn't they have told us it was canceled before I lifted my uh, overpacked carry-on suitcase into the overhead compartment and strained my arm? Because I never check a bag. I don't know about you guys. I've I've been to Europe on weeks before with a carry-on. I don't like to worry about losing a checked bag. But anyway, I digress. Um, I think that's chic, by the way. Traveling carry-on. I'm ready to go at any moment. I can I have my passport with me all the time. So that's happening. And it's just wild out there. Like the, the flights are canceled and delayed for, you know, mechanical issues, operational issues. That's the vaguest stuff. That means they don't want to tell you the real reason. So, and oh, another thing, there's no alcohol. Okay. Because they know people are already on the edge, I think. And also, obviously, I'm sure they don't want, uh, you know, too much spread of COVID if people are constantly drinking on these flights with the masks off. But They've now like worked it into the language, into the flight attendant announcements. You can't bring your own alcohol. Reminder, it's a federal violation because I think people are. But there's no alcohol being served on these flights. So it's like everybody's on edge. I honestly think a drink might help ease things up. It might help ease the tension. What's going to make you feel good if your flight's been delayed by two hours? A cocktail. We're not getting that. We're getting if it's a thing, we're getting a, a contact drunk from the amount of hand sanitizer. I mean, they're giving those wipes and I appreciate it because I always thought planes were dirty. I used to bring my own wipes before, wipe down the tray, wipe down the seat. You know, they're not cleaning them that much. Um, but man, those sanitizing wipes are everywhere now. And the hand sanitizer they give you, it's like the pure alcohol kind. So the smell on a plane is just, whew, it's like a shot of tequila right up the nose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm not going to recommend drinking the hand sanitizer. Don't do that. But it is the wild, wild west, east, north, south out there. And it's kind of exciting. It's kind of scary sometimes. I mean, we've all seen some of the viral videos of people filming, you know, our fellow pastors who are just not handling themselves chicly at all, who are having meltdowns, who are screaming at flight attendants at each other. It's never okay. You're in a public place, act like an adult. But I was I was uplifted by a few things as of late, a few things I found to be very chic, because, by the way, chic shit only is also about making yourself chic. Like, it's not just about the stuff and it's not it, it's not just about luxury or items. It's about acting chic. It's about doing chic. It's about making your inner self chicer. That's chic shit only. You know, it's about making yourself into a designer item mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So I've witnessed some chic things. Um, man, I was in Austin and these poor people, I, I don't have this right, but I think they were trying to get to Raleigh and the plane. We were in Austin. Their plane had been like delayed in San Antonio for weather or something. And then like the crew had timed out and everybody's so frustrated because it's been delayed over and over again, hours and hours, delayed, delayed, delayed. And I believed in humanity again because of what happened next. The line is so long to talk to the the gate agents. Everybody's so frustrated. And this pilot decked out in his full pilot attire, he stands up and he gets on the little microphone and he says, (laughs) everybody, I am about to go get in an Uber and I'm going to Uber to San Antonio myself. I'm going to get that plane. And I'm going to fly the plane here because we don't have a crew and I want to get you guys to Raleigh. We won't be leaving for hours because it's going to take me that long to Uber 
to San Antonio, but I'm going to get the plane. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pick you guys up. I will tell you a silence washed over this, this frustrated crowd. And nobody could be mad anymore, you know, because this guy had just said, let me do something selfless. Let me do something that's going to make me exhausted to try and help you. Do you think this man wanted to Uber to San Antonio for hours and then fly back and then fly them to Raleigh while everybody else is sitting here? And honestly, thank God, at least having a cocktail in the airport. I'm sure he didn't. But thank you. And hats off to that pilot wherever he is. And, you know, it's hard because we all somebody's having a full long freak out again, not okay. We can pull out our phones and call them out, but it was just, it was such a quick little moment and I don't think anybody caught it on camera, Um, but it was beautiful. And I just thought that's chic. You know, that's humanity. That is this guy's trying to do his job right and help people. He probably could have just said, we're done. The flight's canceled and I'm going home, but he didn't do that. I also had questions about like, does the airline have a partnership with Uber? Is this man paying it for himself? Is he get is he filling out an expense report? I don't know. Who okayed it? We're in the wild, wild <laughs> circumference of the country right now. <laughs> Probably even the world. I can't even imagine. International travel must be on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Um, so cheers to that pilot, wherever you are, sir. Then I was on this flight because I've been traveling a lot for work. We're traveling again for entertainment tonight. I flew to Las Vegas to interview the legend, Donny Osmond. And wow, I don't think my mom's ever been prouder of me. You know, she definitely had like a teen crush on that man and also an adult crush when he had his resurgence with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that was huge in the 90s. Uh, I don't even know how many times I've watched the Donny Osmond VHS. I loved it. The Joseph VHS for the music musicality. I don't know why my mom loved it. But yeah, when she found out I was interviewing Donny, oh, she texted her friends, you know, sometimes I'm not even sure if she watches E.T. She did not watch Roses and Rose, <laughs> but Donnie, she cared about. So thanks, Donnie. Um, we're also going to do a lot of musical theater talk on here. I got to tell you, if you're a geek, call your friends, you know, close every door to me. That's Joseph. Anyway, um, so I'm, I went there to interview Donnie Osmond uh, and uh, that was literally ups and downs. I mean, we talked about his marriage. Um, we talked about his anxiety as a teen idol. We talked and, and then we, we ziplined. So, you know, literally an up and a down. I jumped off a building with Donny Osmond. So I appreciate that. Um, and then the ups and downs continued as I went to <laughs> fly back. I get to the airport and I'm fully boarded on a flight. And this is one of the times I mentioned they come on and say it's canceled. There's a full chorus of what from everybody on board. We deplane. I get bumped to the next flight. There's a lot of flights from Vegas to the LA area. It's a quick 40 minute flight. There's like one almost every hour. I get bumped to the next flight. That flight, I'm looking on the app. It starts getting delayed, delayed, delayed. Like every 10 minutes, I'm like, what's going on? You know, I've traveled enough at this point to know. If your flight's getting continuously delayed, it's a bad sign, okay? You need to come up with a new plan, an exit strategy, because what they're doing is delaying and delaying and then canceling while you're sitting and after you've buckled your seatbelt ready to fly. So I'm like, I got to pivot, 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 (laughs) pivot. And I decide I'm going to switch my flight and fly to Los Angeles instead of the Burbank airport where I was headed. Um, and get home that way because all the flights seem to be getting delayed heading into Burbank. And sure enough, I mean, I had to wait a few hours, but the flights I was supposed to be on, I think all ended up getting canceled. At that point, I was watching on the app like a psychopath to try and just give myself the comfort of having made the right decision because travel decisions are intense. You don't know what's the best way to go. Um, so I'm on the flight on the way to Los Angeles now. And I look, you know, I, I recognize some people around me. We've all been in this together. And I will say as many divisive moments as we've seen at the airport, again, there's some unifying shit happening. And that's when the shit is chic, when it's unifying. We, 
if you're delayed with people, God, you, you go from strangers to best friends. You're, you're, you could talk to somebody for 30 minutes because you're delayed together and you're like, we're friends for life. We're bonded, Bethany. Call me anytime. Where do you live? Denver? Okay, if I'm passing through, I'm going to shoot you a text and see what you're doing. Uh, truly. So I'm bonding with the other people because at first I was trying to make flights to Burbank work. We've all been doing this all day. Me and a few of this crew decided we're going to go to Los Angeles. So we're on the plane together and I'm like, there they are, you know, my friends. Um, There was a British guy and um, two lovely ladies. And we were like the few who decided we're going to switch and go to LA. And we've never been more tense probably than as we were waiting for that plane for the wheels to be in the air. The British guy loved him. Uh, He was a real jokester. So we bonded, you know, some of his jokes, not perfect. He kept saying we were all refugees. And I was like, not, not your best joke, not your best joke. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I was witnessing something beautiful with him and one of the ladies because they'd been trying to get out of Vegas since noon or something, it, five hours longer than me. And so they'd been like hanging out all day. They'd gotten lunch together. They'd had a drink together and their cars were the Burbank airport. So he had arranged for a car from LAX to Burbank. Once they landed, they were going to go get their cars together. And I got to tell you guys, I want to know if they're dating now. I do. They could be, you know, it was like a meet cute. And again, you're bonded so quickly. You spend a day stuck at an airport with someone and man, you just put down your phones and find humanity together. And I just loved witnessing that this guy, I mean, look, maybe he was falling in love with her. I don't know. But if he wasn't either way, he was just helping a stranger. He didn't have to you know, and there was another woman who he hadn't been so chatty with. And he said, get in the car with us. So he was a good guy. And he was like, just helping out strangers. And it was beautiful. And it was chic. And we don't see it all the time. Um, But but the absolute, for lack of a better word, insanity that is going on in our airspaces right now, at this time is bringing people together. Even if on some cases it's pulling them apart, it's bringing them together. And that's chic. So I loved that. Um, I also recently, <laughs> for lack of options, uh, I flew Spirit Airlines. And look, it's no shade to Spirit Airlines. I've just heard, to be honest, bad things. So I was like always hesitant. I got to tell you guys, chic or shit, Spirit Airlines is chic. I said it. This might be a divisive opinion. I think it will be. But I got to tell you, hot things are on Spirit Airlines. Here's why it's chic. Hot people are on Spirit Airlines. It's young people. You know, maybe they maybe they're they're not as far along in their careers yet. They can't afford the most expensive of plane tickets. And they're they're making stuff happen. You know, I'm talking about a meet cute over on Airline X on Spirit. People are hooking up. I'm on this Spirit Airlines flight and people were drinking. They're giving you alcohol, by the way, on Spirit Airlines. They haven't stopped. They know that the seat that they've given you is uh, basically a piece of plywood and it couldn't be more rigid. So they want you to feel relaxed and have a tequila. They've got great cocktails, really good snacks, no cheap little like BS pretzels. They're giving you like brand name Nabisco stuff, which I appreciate. I'll have some Cheetos. (laughs) really will. And there were hot people. They were like, I was on Spirit Airlines going to Cabo. And so they're ready for a party. I, I, I almost joined in, you know, I, look, it, it wasn't for me. I wasn't, I'm, I wasn't looking to hook up with anybody, but I was like, I don't know, make a friend, have fun. These people were raging on Spirit Airlines. And it was in a positive way. Cause there's also that energy of people being quite cooped up and like they're ready to have fun. So Spirit Airlines, that's where the hot people are. If you're single, I'd say book a Spirit Airlines flight. I can't guarantee what kind of person you might meet, but I can tell you there's a lot of possibility. Um, truly, book a Spirit Airlines ticket. I stand Spirit. I'm a fan, big time. I don't know how we'll all feel about that. So that's what's been happening on the flights, you guys. Have you been flying? Let me know in the comments below. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to spirit airlines I, I i could just hear the theme song in my head right they have a good theme song catch the spirit of spirit airlines and there's a spirit 
a rallying cry out there. Oh man. So the airlines are wild. This podcast is chic. And uh, like I said, I want to make you guys laugh. I want to show you love and I want to lift you up. So coming up after the break is my very first interview for Chic Shit Only. And I could not be more honored. I could not be more uh, to just feel more privileged than that these two incredible women agreed to be my very first interview. The creator and star of Netflix's huge hits. They don't really give out the numbers, but I think it was the number one show of the summer. Sex Life. Stacey Ruckheiser and Sarah Shahi are coming up after the break. My guest today, my very first guest ever, I could not be more excited about, are the star and creator of the number one show of the summer, perhaps of my life, <laughs> Sex Life on Netflix, Sarah Shahi and Stacey Ruckheiser. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for thank you. Thank you. As I've now seen you both do so many interviews, it seems like you were on these really similar paths of like working your butts off, trying to get a female focused show made. When did that click for both of you that you were on the same page about so many things? Sarah and I, and I'll let Sarah speak for herself, but we are, we've worked our asses off. Like we are workhorses. We are people who put in the time, who have been good soldiers, who have, you know, done all of that. And like the stars aligned. And again, I just, you know, continued to work from a very personal place. Sarah works from a very personal place and, and, and it paid off, you know, I mean, I guess we could be like the cynical, bitter people if it didn't pay off and being like, I worked so hard and I kept working for a personal place. And that was clearly a mistake, but it, it has, it has paid off, but I like to talk about the hard work and the, and the time and the hours that we put in, because, you know, it, 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 it's all you see is like the billboard and the show out on the air. It just, it's, it's hard. It's like someone once said to me when you're in the middle of working on something or trying to get something going, the worst thing you can do is go to like a screening of your friend's movie because all you're seeing is the end product completely done, completely polished, you know, and it looks so easy. And it's, of course, you know, it's not, of course, you know, there's the the process, but I think it's really important to, you know, remind people of that. And also to say, if you want to make it in this business, which is a heartbreak, a minute and a killer you're going to have to work really, really hard, you know, and, and if you're up for it, the rewards are amazing, but yeah, but it's a killer, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like Stacy, you know, I've been acting for 20 years, you know, and I also have had, I mean, I've heard more no's than I've heard yeses. And so, and I've just, you know, and each no, though it, you know, it doesn't, hurt the way it initially did, I can't help but take it personally, because for me, everything I do is personal. So um, it always still kind of hurts, but I truly can't see myself doing anything other than this. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of smart people out there, and they're going to go do super smart things. I'm going to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, and I, and I, I love telling these kinds of stories. You know, I had a very long uh, background in procedurals. And I was constantly being directed to, I don't want to say against my instinct a little bit, but I was always trying to find a crack in the veneer of the very tough character I was trying to, I was playing. And, and I would turn, you know, like a, a normal stick em up scene, like I'd have a tear rolling down my eye and that the director would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to cry, you know, she's shooting someone, Sarah, she's shooting someone. (laughs) Right. They're crying. You're not crying. So it, it, it was, um, and, and those were, those were great for what they gave me and they gave me a lot. Um, but I was always, I always felt like I just wanted to do something that was so character driven and so heartfelt. And, and, you know, it's like, one of my favorite expressions is life is lifey. And, you know, and for me, I feel like I've led nine lives already. And I feel like, you know, what I can bring as an actor to these stories are my experiences. And I just was so desperate to find, you know, it just got to a point where my soul was like hurting being a part of another procedural. I just, I was like, I would rather live in a box and struggle for money than, then creatively feel unfulfilled again, you know? 
And so the last project, I, I did the show called City on a Hill for a season. And that was rewarding because the time period I got to the Boston accent, I really sort of helped reinvent myself to not be a procedural actor anymore. Instead, I was doing something that did feel a bit more character driven. And then I didn't get work for almost a year. Um, a year, it was just the stuff that I wanted didn't want me. And the stuff that wanted me, I didn't want it. And I'll never forget when I went into audition for Sex Life, I was so nervous. You know, they were very nice. I mean, they were like, it's okay. You can try again. You can try again. Well, by like the third try again, I just knew it wasn't going to come out. And so I just said, guys, I don't want to pretend or something like that is how I remember it. And then I was like, you know, I'm out of here. Thanks for your time. And I fully thought I, that was it for me. I hadn't worked in a year. The job that I really felt like, you know, I had an opportunity to tell my own stories through, I wasn't going to get, and I was, I was devastated. I was like, I should go to midwifery school. Cause my backup was always to be a midwife. You were going to quit acting. Yes, I was, I was fully ready. I, I said goodbye to acting that night. I cried so hard. I was just devastated. I was, I was so heartbroken. And I was like, I guess I'm not, it's, this is not meant for me. And I really was ready to make that switch. And then it was a couple of days later when my reps called me and they said, what are you talking about? Like they like, okay, but they felt like you had that thing that Billy has like you, whatever. And, um, anyway, long story short, I went back in and I put myself on tape, like what, like four more times or something, because I was just like, you know, this is a character that was a larger than life character. And I just felt so connected to her and, you know, being her for that season and for, you know, portraying her, she changed me. She did something to me. You know, it's like, I felt like before her, I lived my life in a sort of box. And like many women out there, you know, I felt like I wasn't living up to my full potential. I felt like you couldn't have it all. You know, I felt like life was a daily grind and, you know, being a mom and, and uh, being in a long-term relationship and all these things were, you know, I constantly wondered what happened to me. Like I used to be fun, (laughs) you know, I used to smile, like, where did that go? And what Billy taught me was that, you know, first of all, I do believe you can have it all now. I don't think women have to choose. I think sometimes it is hard and sometimes you do have to make sacrifices, but I don't believe in settling. And I feel like, you know, she taught me to have guts. Mm-hmm. Billy and Stacy, they taught me how to have guts. You got to have gumption to go out there and get the life that you want because it's not going to just fall in your lap. You know, and there are times where you're going to have to go against the grain and people are going to have opinions on what you do. But um, Anne Lamont, who's one of my favorite writers, she has this thing where she says, um, uh, courage is fear after it's said a prayer. And the amount of times in my life I can sit there and say, I was scared of doing something because either it was not the popular opinion or it meant it was really going to take me out of my comfort zone. But I learned how to push through it. And the Mm. rewards that I got from that were just monumental. So it's hard to trust yourself, you know? But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, this role, it really helped change me on like a cellular level. You know what I love about it too is, I don't know if you guys felt this, but I feel my friends and I discuss a lot that the success of women, where we're told about our biological clocks, and there's also something where sometimes it feels like the success of women has an expiration date or something. Like right. you've got to make it by this point because you got to have the kids and the job and all that. And I really feel you two are a huge part of changing that of like, no, we've been working and working and like, we're, we're hitting this stride now and we're getting excited now. And I, it's very, you're like giving me hope. You're really giving me hope. <laughs> you know what? I think it comes down to Lauren, honestly, because I never saw myself at 41, you know, getting the covers of really cool magazines and being in glamor and Vogue at 41. I never thought that was going to happen to me. I mean, I thought my time, in terms of that space was done. You know, I was hoping to be on AARP, you know, in the future. So <laughs> like, grandma. <laughs> I just, I was like, you know, um, okay. But I think what it comes down to is that, you know, and I know Stacy to be this kind of person too, is it's like, to what does it mean to be your true authentic self? 
What does it mean to look at yourself, to look at the parts that you like and you don't like? You know what I mean? To accept like, to accept those, those insecurities, the lights and the darknesses, you know? And I think when you really come to, to know yourself in that way, I think things fall into place for you. And I think some people are able to have that happen in their twenties. And then other people are able to happen in their forties, some people in their sixties. So it's like, they're, when they say time is just a number and or not time, I'm sorry, age is a number. And, you know, like why, why there is no such thing as too late. I really do believe that because I do think that we are sort of the creators of our own life, you know, but you just got to have guts. Oh, Billy gave you the guts. I love it. <laughs> well, like I said, look, this podcast is called chic shit only. And you guys made a freaking chic show and you were the number one show on Netflix in like 92 countries at one point or something. It's just incredible. How has this success now changed you? And I know you just talked about Billy gave you guts, but now that the show is launched and dropped and it's a huge success, how has it changed you or changed the way you're looking at what's next in your careers from here? Stacey, you're looking very pensive. That's interesting. No, no. I mean, Look, it's, uh, it's incredibly validating because when, when you speak from the heart about something that you feel personally, um, I mean, I had no idea that it would resonate with other people in the way that it did. I knew that that's, you know, where I was writing from, like what we were creating from, you know, we were there on set, you know, with our, our guts and our soul hanging out, you know, there was a lot and believing <laughs> and we're all happy about everything that was out. Everybody from me to Kim Kardashian. We loved it. <laughs> Kim, my new friend. That's are you awesome. guys DMing? Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Love it. We'll talk, talk about, about that. Talk about women supporting women. She is cool as can be. She is cool as shit because she had no reason to reach out. You know, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And for her to be that sort of supportive and for her to put us out there the way she did without wanting anything, she doesn't want anything back. It was like, that's the definition of women supporting women. In my opinion, she was really, really cool to do that. The other thing that I think is really cool about the show that like, I can't help but comment on it because it is so important is that what Stacy did with this show and female sexuality, mm -hmm. I feel like has only been touched upon in like art housey lesbian films or something. And, you know, upon talking to some of my girlfriends on the show, they found it to be sort of, you know, there were moments where it was uncomfortable because we're not used to seeing female sexuality front and center. We're used to watching a female service a man. We're used to a man getting a blowjob, but if a woman wants oral or if a woman wants to be touched or stimulated, it makes people uncomfortable because we've never seen it before or we don't see it as often, you know? So it's like, I really feel, you know, it's like as much as when you begin a, you know, project, you're never doing it for the end result. And it's like, as an actor, I'm just constantly searching for the, like the highest degree of truth that I can tell for in a scene, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the most honest way, most dramatic way how do I honor this story of this woman? And so it's like, I, you know, you don't do it for that re for an end result reason, but I'm really, really proud to be a, a part of something that takes female sexuality and puts it out there for everyone to see. And the reactions from it have been interesting. Like some people love it. Some people find it very uncomfortable and it just says something about our society. But did you know how sexy of a show you were making? Like, did you know <laughs> people are going to be blown away by this for lack of a better term. <laughs> I truly well, didn't. I did. Yeah. I mean, you get used to it after a while. I mean, look, I knew from the beginning that the show would be noisy. You know, I had a sort of mission statement, one pager that was, um, you know, at the front of the first script. It was even before that at the front of the first outline and the story document it was, it was there from the beginning, which was really unapologetically putting it out there that this is a story about female desire. And I knew that making a show about a woman who admits that she's had sex, first of all, um, and that <laughs> she, and that she wants more sex and that she wants better sex without yeah. making her the bad girl or punishing her for her desire 
was in and of itself a revolutionary act. I, I knew that. And um, it's not what a woman is supposed to want. You know, we are the receivers. We are supposed to wait. We are supposed to allow. And there are a lot of opinions about women who go out after what they want. And, you know, it's so, so important to me that the message of the show is that, you know, your desire is nothing to be ashamed of and that mm -hmm. it deserves to be nurtured by you and by your partner and honored. And, um, that is a rallying cry, you know, and, um, and the executives at Netflix, you know, in particular, Irene Lee, this um, executive who, who we were developing the show with was very clear from the beginning that, you know, we were making a big, juicy, sexy show and that it needed to be that. And so I was very specific on the page, you know, and it was mm -hmm. it was incredibly freeing when I when I first started writing it, you know, because all of those things that you've been taught since you were a girl about, ooh, you know, don't be a bad girl, don't be a slut. You know, mm -hmm. if you've done those things, hide that, lower your number, you know, all these things like the good girls aren't going to mm -hmm. like you, you know, things like this. It was suddenly like, put it all out there and put it on the page and, and it will be a rallying cry for the masses, you know, and that, that was really exciting. Once you've written, you know, eight scripts that have all that in very specific detail and you've cast it with these incredible actors. And then even once you start going and you've done a few of the scenes, like it seems normal. So like you forget <laughs> at a certain point that like people are going to be like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> when they see it. But again, it was like, Fierce, gutsy, and unapologetic. Also, the sex scenes were so, I think one of the reasons why they came across as well as they did, not just for, you know, the slow-mo and the jewel tones and stuff, there was a real story behind the sex scenes. That's totally. You know, it's yeah. like the sex scenes were not just sex scenes, you know, it wasn't just people fucking. It's like we were truly telling there was a story to be told through through those scenes. It was it was an, in and of itself, there was still lots of acting still required. <laughs> in those scenes, you know, it, it wasn't just a intimate scene. There was more involved in that. Oh, totally. I and mean, so, you know, and, yeah. And some of that was about where are they in the relationship? Um, mm -hmm. You know, whether it was with Cooper or with Brad, but also the reason that we really needed to see it so much is to understand why Billy is up in the middle of the night writing in her journal? What is it that she is missing? Why this guy looms so large in her mind? Why this time in her life, this version of herself is so hard to let go of, you know? And so we really had to show that. And yeah. I think when you see that version of a life, I think, you know, a lot of people can understand that's hard to let go. That is hard to let go and be in this watered down suburban wife and mom version of yourself and still feel fulfilled. I wondered what you guys thought. I have seen uh, some criticism of people saying, why isn't she just with Cooper? He's so amazing. He's such a great guy. I love this. I love this. I love you getting into this right okay, now. Good. Because I, I am good. I'm so glad. Please tell me what you think of the criticism and why isn't she just with Cooper chatter? Right. Well, it's an interesting uh, detail. I think that a lot of people miss, which is in one of the opening um, voiceovers of the first episode is when I say my husband hasn't gone down on me in 18 months. So you're, you're finding them in a position and it, you know, it's like in one of the opening scenes is he comes home from work and he goes straight to his daughter and really looks past his wife. So anyone who, you know, there are a lot of women out there that have been in that situation and know what that feels like. And 18 months is a long time to feel like you're not seen by your partner. So it's like, I don't, I don't think Billy is crazy. I don't think she is ungrateful. I don't, you know, it's like, I have a lot of compassion for her. Um, I understand her emotions and what she's feeling, you know, as a mother of three myself, sometimes things can get away from you. Your relationship can get away from you. It's something a lot of people can relate to and it's normal. And the other thing, you know, the criticism about the show too, is there, I've read some people say, you know, um, that end beat where she runs to Brad in the end the and how they, sh she should just stay with Cooper. Well, the thing is, is that it, relationships are messy. Life can be messy. It's, there's not just a, a one size fits all answer for everything. 
you know, and it's like, and Cooper is not without his, um, uh, uh, you know, his, his sort of semi-naughty choices himself. He took the key from his boss. He got a blowjob at the sex party. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, did. you can say, you can say Billy has been having an emotional affair on paper. She's been fantasizing about somebody, but she never acted on anything. It purely lived in her head. You know, and not to mention, she's been raising two kids. She's at home. She feels unseen. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, it's like, though the story is mostly about, it is about Billy and what she's going through. If you just kind of step out and you look at the relationship, I love that the show, by the way, has created such a controversy. Like, that's one thing I think really good art does is it does put a painting up there. One person says, I love it. The other person says, I can't stand it. And I think that's really good art because it just makes you think. You gave you us know? something to talk about. <laughs> so, <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, and I and talk about female liberation, and you know, it's like female liberation and freedom and going after what you want. That end, that end beat of her going over to Brad's, and look, we still don't know what happens after those elevator doors close. We don't know what happens. So technically, she hasn't done shit, <laughs> but. I know Stacy's looking at me, but it's true. No, we don't no, see, no, no. But it's like, yeah. so it's like, you know, I, I just feel like that her, her having that choice of at the end, she is honoring herself. She is listening to that voice inside. Even if that voice shakes, even if there's fear in it, that is female liberation to me. That is the definition of freedom is going after what you want saying it doesn't matter to me what other people's opinions are. I have the white picket fence. People say I should be happy, but nobody knows the inner relationship, inner workings of a relationship but you. And she made a choice. And all I can say is I am proud of Billy for listening to that voice with So Stacy, what is Billy doing season two episode? <laughs> What I will say, I second, of course, everything that Sarah's saying, and, and, and I'll, I'll speak also, you know, add a couple of things to the fire, but I also just want to say like, this is exactly what our show is about. Our show is about this attitude, you know, towards women, which is you should be happy. Look at your house. Look at your beautiful house. Look at your beautiful children. You know, look at your healthy children. You know, isn't that enough? Why Mm. isn't that enough? And it's, it's basically, you know, and this is why women don't admit to the longing for their desire or their former selves is because they are worried it's going to make them seem ungrateful. And we, yeah. And what we are saying is it is possible to love your children, to love being a mother, to, you know, adore your, your husband and kids. And yes, still want more and still feel that this Mm -hmm. other part of yourself is missing. And, and there is, and that's when I say, like, it's really important to, um, to, to value that. And that is what we're saying. And, and society is uncomfortable with that. I mean, look, female sexuality has been the most dangerous force in the universe for thousands and thousands of years, you know? And so, but it is fascinating to me. I mean, look, yes, we on purpose made it a fair fight. We made it that, you know, both guys are great and both guys are awful in certain ways. We also made it that every single one of the characters on the show makes a bad choice at some point over the course of the season, because that is complicated and deeply human. But what is fascinating to me is the way that people will forgive Cooper and forget the things that he did. Yeah, a thousand times over before they were will forgive Billy. And that is, you know, the patriarchy and that is the misogyny. And that is what we are flying right into the face of, you know, and it's women too. It's women yeah. who are hard on Billy yeah. as well because they have internalized that. And, you know, look, the story is not done yet, hopefully. Um, you know, I I it's funny to me, like the 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 funniest ones are the people who get very angry at me and write and say that I'm promoting, <laughs> I'm promoting infidelity, I'm breaking up marriages, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, aside from the you know, fact that it's a television show, <laughs> but the point is, is that I'm not saying this was the best choice ever for Billy. It's a human choice. It makes sense to me. And what I would point out to people is that in the final episode, the only reason that things were going to be quote unquote, okay, is because Billy let it all go. Billy, you know, forgave him for getting a blowjob from her friend right in front of her face when she was weeping. And he could clearly tell that, that she didn't want it. 
for for then blaming it all on her, not taking any responsibility for it himself, but saying it's you, you made me this yeah. way, you did all this to me. So she had to just sort of let all of that go, accept what we call the 85%, say you can't have it all at one time. I'm gonna let that 15% go. We live so many different lives in one lifetime. So I'll have been that person in the past and I won't be that person now. So she basically puts herself back in a version of that box and tries Mm -hmm. to make it go right, tries to make it be enough for, I think it's three months is is the time that goes by there. And then these things happen that start pushing her buttons and just saying, it's, oh my God, it's not. Oh my God, it's not. It's like she, it's Sasha's book. It's seeing Brad at the book. It's just then Sasha has this phone call. Then it's Trina saying, let's hope you're right. Let's hope it's enough. And she finally has to admit it's not, you know? And so could you argue that Billy should have been more honest with her husband rather than running to Brad? Sure. Could you argue that Billy should have been more honest with her husband from the beginning about her sexual appetite and her past? Yes. But let's look at why she wasn't. Because why she wasn't honest with him has a lot to do with a society that is teaching women these things that get them in the situation that Billy is in, you know, with two kids and, and and a part of herself missing. And it might seem like a good solution at the time, like, oh, I'll make myself marriage worthy, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as Sasha calls it. But then you wake up eight years later and you're like, who am I now? You know, and that is, that is not successful way to be either. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm I'm sure you experienced that where it's like, it's not even this, it's not overt. It's just, this is what's normal. And you think, oh, it's what was normal. All my friends from high school, by the time they were in their sophomore year of college, they were already like married and they, you know, and it was just, and that was just, I was the, I was the black sheep for not wanting to do that. You know, I was judged for not wanting that. And I will just tell you also, because I think that this goes with the, what you're getting at in your podcast is that I'm like on the opposite side, which is that I didn't meet my husband until I was 37. And I thought this kid thing is probably not going to happen for me. Mm. You know, I'm probably too old. And cause I had a lot of appetite for my career and that's what I was working on. But also I had very high standards <laughs> for who I was going to marry. And I do think it's, if one of the lessons of our show can be like, you should be very careful who you decide to marry. That is a yeah. good lesson. And <laughs> that is a very good lesson. But, um, but anyway, I, now I have two, you know, young boys and, and I'm married. And so I'm a late bloomer in a lot of things, you know, it's like, I got married late. I had kids late. I got my first show. That's my own creation late. So, you know, it's all those things are, are possible. And there are a lot of different ways to go about it. What we're, what all the things we're talking about, but staying true to yourself and being, you know, staying true to who you are and what you want and, and honoring that, you know, is, is, is 1000% the way to be. I am learning so much from Sarah and Stacy when it comes to career, when it comes to getting female driven television on TV. But of course, I got to ask them about season two, some possible spoilers that's coming up after the break. Well, I know I got to let you guys go soon, but real quick, I got to ask you a couple specific show questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, when you were doing season one, did you already have ideas for season two? Have those ideas already been flowing? And did you know where you wanted it to be going? Yeah, I mean... Look, when I when I pitched it, I had to have an idea to to tell them where it was going. I mean, and but the show evolves. Do you know what I mean? The show evolves and as you see how people respond to it and how Netflix responds to it and then, you know, uh it it takes on a life of its own. Like I said, it it started in a tiny room with a very personal experience and then it it sort of takes on you know, a life of its own, but it was exciting to leave it on such a cliffhanger because I knew, you know, and, and, and again, we knew that that moment was going to be controversial. And I said over and over again to Netflix, I said, we want half the people screaming at her furious, yelling at their TVs. (laughs) What are you doing? You, you know, come to your senses, stop. No, no, no. And half the people yelling, you go girl. Yes. And like living at least vicariously through her, you know, and what's exciting is it, it really kind of looks like that's exactly what happened, you know, and it is kind of, um, split, you know? And so that's, that's exciting yeah. just to think well, I know about some showrunners will sometimes say, I, I always set out with this being like a three season show or five season. Do you have that yeah. mindset at all? 
Um, I did, but again, things change as you have conversations. An incredible Um, success. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, look, and I have um, my own, you know, personal viewpoint of what I, I want the end result to be, which is just that I, I want, you know, and this is not going to give anything away, but, but, but for Billy to be able to integrate all parts of herself, you know, to not have to hide any of those parts and to find a way to be all parts of herself you know, at the same time and to be with a partner who allows her to be that way too, whoever that is. Did you know that people would record themselves watching that minute <laughs> marker scene? Oh God. <laughs> I mean, look, that was awesome. Like when, you know, when Sarah says it's exciting to have people talking about the show, like that, that was amazing. And Irene, the executive at, at Netflix, who I was talking about, she said from day one, we're going to break the internet. We're going to break the internet. With and that scene. When, yeah, and when that started going, well, but it was very interesting because that was never been a sure thing, you know. And when I when we wrote it, it was really, really important to me for for Cooper's character. It was really important to me to show how far down the rabbit hole Cooper has gone. That he is stalking, stalking this Bradley. guy. Yeah, he's stalking him, and he knows like I shouldn't be doing this. I'm doing this. I shouldn't go down the street. I'm going down the street. I shouldn't cross the street. I'm crossing the street. I shouldn't go into the gym. Going to the gym, buying clothes. I'm working out. I shouldn't go into the shower. I'm going into the shower. I shouldn't look down. I'm looking down. And so we always knew that it it had to be, um, and it was even written in the script that it would be intimidating what he saw, you know. And and okay, I got to ask a question about that. It was written in the script that it would be intimidating what he saw. So did you know what? Adam was bringing to the scene in advance? Um, I, you know, I say what Adam says, which is that, you know, a gentleman never tells. And um, it's, a, it's a, you know, and, and so I won't talk about it more than that, but I will say like, it's have no me too situation or reverse me too situation where I was like, Okay, Adam. So <laughs> now you gotta, you know, whatever. But look, this is a, this is a, you know, this is a genre that requires um, intimate conversations. I'll put it sure. That way. <laughs> One a question I want to ask you in final is, what is a piece of advice that got you to where you are? Trust yourself as an artist that you will figure it out, and um, and all you can do is work from that personal place and then put it out there and, and see if it resonates, you know, and that's what I'll continue to do. You have put it all out there again. <laughs> you two have reinvented the term, put it all out there <laughs> in the best possible way. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Uh, well, along with Stacy said, which my gosh, that just seems to be one of the simplest things, but one of the hardest things to just keep reminding yourself, trust, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. Um, but another one that I love that I heard on a, a podcast um, with Goldie Hawn was uh, follow your happy. And that's something I look to almost on a daily. It's something that I tell my kids, um, follow your happy. Because when you are in that space and you're happy and you're following whatever it is that your heart desires, you know, it's like it feels like things fall into place. Thank you both so much again for your time and your talents. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for making us your first guest. Oh, everybody. How incredible were Sarah and Stacy. I, I've take, I took so much away from them. Um, follow your happy. Thank you, Sarah. I needed that reminder. You know, during the pandemic, I, some of you may have seen on social media, I, I was l- like having insomnia and anxiety issues for the first time in my life. And I was doing something called night cereal where I'd be awake and, you know, to feel nostalgic and safe, I'd eat cereal at night. I hadn't eaten it in years, but it made me feel like a safe space and a kid again. So I was doing night cereal. Man, when the past six months happened, I graduated from night cereal to what I dubbed a a restful carb, a carb to sleep. I was eating pasta in the middle of the night to try and get tired, (laughs) fall asleep. Uh, I thought about calling this podcast restful carb. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm most excited about now is to get to connect with you all again, because truly, I know this is selfish. There's an episode of friends where I think Phoebe talks about like how it's selfish to make people happy. It is selfish, but I love making you all laugh, making you happy. And so the chance to be able to do that again with this podcast, uh, from the absolute 
deepest part of my soul is making me happy. I have to do it. We're far from the shallow now. Oh, by the way, can't wait for House of Gucci. You guys know I loved A Star is Born. I can love that movie. I dressed up as Allie as Lady Gaga's character for Halloween one year, and I made Chris Harrison do it, even though he hadn't seen it yet. But he grabbed a guitar and he said, I'll do it. I will be Jackson Maine. So I don't know. For Halloween this year, we might be the House of Gucci characters because Gaga looks like she is just elevating herself yet again. Father, son, House of Gucci. Bravo. Bravo to you all. Bravo to this. And I can't wait to explore more chic shit only with you. Please tell your friends about chic shit only. We will be coming to you every week, wherever you get your podcasts. And also on my social media, you can watch it on video if you want to do that. I will probably be graduating to a second camera because I used to do that with Rose and Roseanne. Give you guys a little, you know, comedy with that. I loved it. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I will talk to you soon. 